Good morning. Can you guys hear me? Make sure. Yes. Okay. Um, we're uh, we're we're taping these series. We started last week, so um, I'm make sure that you hear me, and then they're hearing me in the monitors. And you guys heard a little bit about the stuff um, we've been through this week, the Wi-Fi going down, things like that. Um, I understand other people have had some issues, and you know. Um, uh, and so we're praying for them uh, today too. But I wanna, I wanna tell you, I just wanna say a little bit about the India thing. I, pay, I picked up Pastor Bobby, who uh, is actually kind of my brother-in-law from the airport, and he went to um, kind of, can you kind of be somebody's brother-in-law? <laughs> he is my brother-in-law. And uh, actually had the, when, at this church, when I was a youth pastor, I had the privilege of leading him to Christ now he's a pastor at Flagstaff Breath of Life. Breath of Life. Uh, Flagstaff Breath of Life. And the reason I said I picked him up is because we actually just started talking about India because we went to India almost a year ago, he and I. And uh, um, that is amazing what Linda was uh, saying. I mean, this, the hospital totally, uh, you know, supported uh, well, 40% of it they do for free, and then 60% they, they do a, a nominal charge. They do that for a reason, because they'll get shut down in India if they don't. There's a, a Hindu president now, or whatever prime minister they are, and they're coming down really hard on uh, Christianity, and, and so you have, to be, you have to be established business and stuff. So uh, anyway, I was just thinking about that, that Last year, we didn't give, or the year before, we didn't even give half of 10,000. We're almost at 10,000 just for India, plus we're covering all of our other missionaries. Amen. And uh, that was something that God spoke to me at the beginning uh, of the year, and so that's awesome, right? Amen. Are you excited? Amen. God's kingdom. So, turn to Daniel chapter 2, and I think we'll have it up here. Um, Daniel chapter 2, verse 44. I, I, I'm going to read one verse, but every week I'll do pretty much the whole chapter for you. But I've learned that when I read the whole chapter, people tend to just tune me out. So instead of reading the whole chapter, I'm gonna, I'll just give you an overview, but, and then I'll give you the real important uh, verse. But um, yeah, Daniel chapter 2, and we're looking at... Verse 44, and in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces. All of these kingdoms bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. So we got a lot of talking to do. Let's pray. Father. We thank you. We give you praise. We give you honor. We give you glory. Glorify your name, Lord. Glorify your name in all the earth. Be exalted, God. We thank you and we praise you. We give you glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. What we're calling this is all kingdoms broke to pieces by the kingdom of Christ. So let me, let me do a review real quick of the entire Bible. So... Um, God created man in his own image, created Adam and Eve. They sinned. 
They, they, they got uh, separated from God. Their, their uh, open communication with God got cut off because of their disobedience. Also, they were cursed to die. So your body was originally meant to live forever. When uh, you see people die, even when they're 90 and 100, people will cry and cry and cry. And you're like, well, they lived a long life. Yes, but there's something in us that just knows they shouldn't be gone. That's because you have an eternal spirit. And originally, man was created to, to live, to live forever. But then he sinned. And so then he uh, kept uh, having babies and having babies and all of a sudden, they were just, they, they, they didn't follow God. They did whatever they wanted, and they were really evil. And there's this guy named Noah that talked to God, and God said, make an ark. And this is perfect weather for it. And so he made an ark, and God flooded the entire world, and only Noah and his family were saved. Now, I'm going somewhere with this. I know I'm going through the whole Bible. I'm going to try to go through pretty quick. They get off. They then began to populate the earth again. And the earth, so you're talking however many B.C., I don't know, uh, 2,000, whatever. And they come down Mount Ararat, they come down the whole area, they, they populate, and there's this guy that his name is Nimrod, he's a king, and he decides that he is going to be great like God, and they're all in one language. I believe they're all in one skin color. And they decide to build a tower called Babylon. Where we are Babylon, I'm sorry, Babel, called Babel. We believe that that tower might be located somewhere in Iraq where Babylon, the original Babylon is. So they, they began to make this tower. Now, making the tower, sometimes when we read the word of God, we focus on something and say, well, they make this tower and that thing, that makes God think they'll become like us. No, what what the tower was a symbol of was the unity of the evilness of the people. Does anybody hear what I'm saying? 1944, ring a bell to anybody? Nuclear bomb, unity, bring Germans over, bring uh, Chinese, Russians, different people together with all their minds together, boom, they're able to invent this thing in, in Manhattan Project. You guys understand what I'm saying? This is what God's looking at. He says, we need to divide them. And so they began to speak in other languages. And I think maybe even the complexions changed depending on the diversity of the continents and places that they went. At that time, man began to spread out. Now, this is important because this is going where we're going, Daniel 2. Began to spread out. And there was a guy named Abraham that was of these peoples, you know, and he was in a, a certain part of the land and probably tip of Africa, right before you get to Israel. And God told him to leave his people. He did. He left his people. God said, I'll make you a, a many nations out of your loins, out of you. And he gets up to 80, 90, no kids. Around 100, he finally has this kid. And that kid then has two twin kids and then the one twin kid named Jacob has multiple wives for a reason because he got tricked. And he ends up having 12 kids. And those 12 kids represent the 12 tribes of Israel. And one of those kids is named Joseph. And he gets mistreated by his brothers, thrown into captivity, 
ends up in Egypt, which is a thriving kingdom. It's not going to be one of the kingdoms we're talking about, but it is a pretty thriving kingdom from a pharaoh in the B.C. area. And when he gets there, he interprets the dream. The pharaoh makes him a, a, a leader over everything, and so then he brings his family. He saves his family because there's a famine in the land. He saves his family, moves him down to Goshen. His family explodes and has bunch and bunch of kids, and of the original pharaoh dies, and then another pharaoh comes up, and he's afraid of those people, and he puts them into captivity, and for 400 years, they're in captivity. Then a guy named Moses, who was raised up in the courts of pharaoh, because they took him out of a river, this guy, he comes and he leads the people out. They travel around for 40 years. They go in. They establish a land. And they, they take over Canaan. They, they go into Canaan. They go over Jordan. It's a lot of miracles. A lot of great things happen. But what's important for us is that they take over the land. And they begin to settle. After they've killed and, and beat different kingdoms and they took over, they begin to settle in kingdoms. And they... They, their government was judges. They had judges, like Supreme Court judges and that kind of thing. And they had high priests. High priest was the main thing. But they had this high priest named Eli, who he had two sons called Hophni and Phinehas, which means um, snake mouth and pugilist, spider. And they were not good sons, and they brought bad stuff on him. And God... Uh, looked upon a lady, and she was barren, and she was praying, and he allowed her to be pregnant with her husband, and she brought her son and gave that son to God, and his name was Samuel. Then Samuel was the guy that would everybody would come to, you know, with disagreements, whatever, and he would send them to judges, and that was the way that they were ruling the land. They didn't like it, and they begged to Samuel that they would have a king. Took me a long time to get to the king part, huh? Then they, they, they uh, got, he, he said, man, these people want a king. And God said, go ahead and give them a king. He gave them a king. King Saul wasn't a good king. And I won't go through all that. But then they got another king, and his name is King David. Amen. King David built up the walls of Jerusalem. Uh, if you go into my, well, don't go into my office. If you go into the other office, I have a picture of Jerusalem and the wall and everything. And you can see what he built up, really cool, awesome aqueducts, and incredible stuff. He built an incredible kingdom. His son came along, King Solomon, built a temple that was billions and billions of, of dollars of gold and stuff inside it. But all the time that they did this, they stopped letting God be their king, and they would make their own self-king, and they would put up false idols. In fact, Solomon had a place, a hill that he would let, he had hundreds of wives, hundreds and hundreds of wives, and he had a place that he would let them go do their own worship, their bell worship. Their it was a little hill, later we know it, uh, known as Golgotha, that's the name of it, and it, the, the hill of the skull, and it, it later on becomes the place that Jesus is crucified. But man, the whole time is trying to be dominant. At the same time that this is going on, there's these guys named Amalekites, 
They're, they're establishing the kingdom. There's these guys over in Asia that were part of that uh, Babel thing. They're establishing the kingdom. Kingdoms have been starting to be established all over the earth, especially from Africa, uh, Iraq, Iran, all that way up through China and Russia. There are kingdoms and people grouping together. And Israel sins and sins until one day, 596 B.C. So I covered, I don't know, 1,000 years or 2,000, probably a couple thousand years. But now we're at 596 is where we're going to stay, okay? So I'm not going to cover it anymore. A king comes from Persia, uh, and he surrounds Jerusalem, and he starves them out. And we heard... Uh, you heard me tell last week that he took the wisest youth and the wise people and he took them. Uh, and he brought them back to his uh, place where he was at. And out of those was four guys. And one of the guys, I'm not going to make you guys wear it today, so we're not going to have to wear these, okay? I know you guys are happy about that. One of the guys was Daniel. Another guy was Hananiah. Another guy was Michelle, and another guy was Azra. And if you look where Babylon is and stuff, and then where Jerusalem is, they, they had a 500-mile hike. And I told you last week I looked at a place in Flagstaff where it starts, uh, and it's a trail, and it goes 790 miles. And you can go to Utah, you go to Mexico, uh, New Mexico, Old Mexico, and uh, some other, all the way through. And you can walk that. But I, I figured it out. It'd take three months. I don't have three months, but it sounds cool. These guys were probably traveling, uh, I'd say, two months. And they would they'd eat bread. They would walk all day, go to bed, get up, eat some bread, walk all day, go to work. I mean, go towards the place. When they came into Babylon... It was different than what they had experienced in Israel because by this time uh, in Jerusalem, they'd been sieged so many times. They didn't see the Solomon. Nobody grew up seeing Solomon's temple, how beautiful it was and all that. They didn't see this. And they come in and they're seeing walls that are huge. And the first thing you see is like two big, huge lions and two lions all colorful together. And, and you're seeing just this incredible city, this incredible place and. So they come into that place, and they literally changed Daniel's name from God is my judge. They changed his name to Belteshazzar, Lady Protect the King. Uh, we believe that uh, they were uh, commanded by a eunuch, and we believe that possibly they were um, castrated. And then they changed Han Haniah's name from Yahweh has been gracious. They changed it to Shadrach, I am fearful of God. And then they changed Michelle's name from who can compare to my God, no one, to Meshach, I am despised, contemptible, and humiliated. And then they changed Azra's name from Yahweh has helped to Abednego, 
the servant of Nebo. In other words, he was a servant of a man. There was a man whose name was Nebo, and he became his servant. So not only did they take them from a place where they were used to worship and they were praising God, but they literally changed their name. And I have a hypothesis here, okay, that we did last week. We, us, you and me, we live in Babylon. We don't live in a Christian Judeo country. I watched that this weekend. Maybe it's changing. But we live in Babylon where people want to change our name and they want to serve whatever. They were okay with Daniel and them worshiping their God for a time as long as it didn't interfere with what they wanted Daniel and the guys to do. Do you understand what I'm saying? So we get here to chapter 2. And the boys had a beauty contest we talked about last week. And they, they wouldn't take the food of the king for a reason. Not really because, uh, you know, they, they just want to be vegetarians, but because of the reason I just pointed out the name. They, they're like, you can try to name us, do whatever you want, but we still believe in our God. In, in a place that doesn't believe in God, we believe in God. So then, after uh, they ate the vegetables and stuff, and, and they came, and before the king, they were smarter, they were wiser, they were ten times better, it said, than the other guys. So the king put them in prominent places, he loved them. Now we get to chapter two. Um, the, the king has a dream, and he's taken over, he's, he's traveled 500 miles, taken over Jerusalem. He, during this time, he actually uh, traveled over to Greece, and he got pushed back a little bit by Greece um, because of the, you know, um, the Spartans and that kind of thing. But, and so he, he came back over. But they were taking over huge amounts of area. And he has a dream, and it bothers him incredibly. So he tells everybody, tell me the dream and tell me the interpretation. And if you don't, I'm going to kill you. But if you do tell me, then I'm going to give you a whole bunch of gifts and I'm going to take care of you and it's going to be awesome. How many of you guys would like that sound? But they kept asking him, well, what's the dream? And he said, that's, that's not the deal. You have to tell me what the dream is and you have to tell me the interpretation. So a captain of the guards comes in to get Daniel and he says, I'm going to kill you. The, the, the king, he said to kill you guys, Nebuchadnezzar, he said to kill you guys because, um, you know, you haven't told him. And he said, wait, 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 what are you talking about? What dream? I don't understand what you're saying. Then he, uh, the guy tells him what's going on. And Daniel says, give me a minute. And this is important. That's why I brought these out. Give me a minute to ask my guy. Now, you know his guys. Uh, sing the song or whatever. You know the guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, yeah. right? We do not call them that around here. That was the name that Babylon put on. That was the name of the captor. But Daniel goes and he asks Hananiah, Yahweh has been gracious. Would you pray and give wisdom and interpretation to this dream, and then he asks 
Michelle, he says, who can compare to our God? No one. Would you get on your knees and talk to God? Because I, I want you who you really are. Not who they say you are. I'm despised, contemptible, and humiliated. Some of you think you are despised, contemptible, and humiliated. And God turns around and says, who can compare to my God? No one. We're going somewhere, people. It's going to take me a little bit. We're going there. Azra, he asks, Yahweh has helped, finally. He says, Azra, would you pray Yahweh has helped? So they prayed. Daniel said, I got it. He goes into the king. He goes, king, I'm here. I got it. You've seen a vision of a big, huge statue. And the top of it was gold. And the shoulders and chest were silver. And the middle part was brass. And the legs were iron. And these are different kingdoms that are coming. Man, this is so awesome. Jeff uh, Ogle knows I'm doing this. And he researched again because he pointed this out. So I'll give him credit. Um, when... Jerusalem was being besieged by Alexander the Great. Um, one of the priests ran out with this prophecy of Daniel and showed them, and they spared the entire city because they said, yeah, whoever this prophet is, nailed it. But first you have Nebuchadnezzar. Then you had a lesser kingdom, the silver, which was the Chaldeans that came. Then you had Alexander the Great, which is hundreds of years out. It hasn't happened yet. He's telling them what's going to happen. This is hundreds of years out. Then in the legs of iron, you had, you had this kingdom of Rome, which then went down to the feet and mixed with clay and branched out into the ten appendages, which are all the other kingdoms. Switzerland, um, all the different kingdoms that were at the time, Germany, and and, and as it went down to the feet, he, he really, that's what bothered him. He's like, what's the gold kingdom? What's this kingdom? I don't understand. And then as it went down to the feet, there was a rock that was hewn out. And it, this rock was picked up. And this rock was thrown at the statue and destroyed the statue, obliterated the statue. And he needed interpretation of that. Daniel didn't say it was Alexander. He just said the different king, kingdoms. He says it's going to come from here, come from here, come from there. And then when he got down to the bottom and the rock, we finally get to our verse. We can start the sermon. We get, we get to our verse, verse 44, which says, And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all the kingdoms and bring them to an end and it shall stand forever. Man, I'm emotional because, uh, you know, God created man in his own image and he walked with Adam. He loved Adam. And his intention was to have a, a, a conversation and an interaction. And, and any of you guys have uh, parents or kids, anybody? 
Wouldn't you love to have an interaction with your family that didn't end in a fight or, or, or somebody running away? Or Adam went and hid when he, when he sinned. He went and hid, and, and God said, where are you at? And he said, I'm hiding because I'm naked. And then as it goes down through the generations, man decided to do his own thing. I want to do it this way. I want to do it like this. And some of the kingdoms were pretty smart. Democracy was set up by the Greece Empire. Uh, Alexander had a really good uh, handle on democracy. There were some good ideas, but no kingdom will work if the king is not Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. As alluded to even in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. But by the time you get to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 2,000 years ago, a baby is born of a virgin, king of kings, and lord of lords. Jesus Christ comes to planet Earth. You see, point number one, sorry, I haven't even got to the points. Seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning, and that's why it took so long to tell you this story right now, concerning the mystery. The mystery. Let me, let me read a verse for you. Um, let's read Romans chapter 16, 25 through 27. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel, and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation, the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed, and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God, to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning the mystery of humanity. Why do people die? Why do people go on? Because God wants an eternal kingdom. Inside of us, we can fill eternity. And we have to seek God for mercy. We have to seek for mercy from God of heaven concerning the mystery. I have, I have told people, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And they looked at me, and they go, I got it. Oh, man, I got it. And they're saved, and they've been saved for 30 and 40 and 50 years. Other people, people in my own family, people in my own church, <laughs> I've read from Genesis to Revelations, word for word. Showed them Jesus. Talked about Jesus as much as I could. And nothing happened. Is anybody listening to what Amen. I'm saying? I am not the message. I am the messenger. But pray to God to 
illuminate and explode and set on fire and make it alive the mystery that has been locked away that he wants to have relationship with you. He wants to be in you by his Holy Spirit. God in you, the Holy Spirit in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. The kingdom has come. Daniel is like, man, here we are. Me and my brothers, Hannah and I, Michelle, Azrael. We're here. You've even named us different. But we're here in a kingdom that is coming. And I want to let you know that in our lifetime, the kingdom has come and is here on planet Earth. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So the mystery, I pray this morning that God will reveal, seek his mercy from the God of heaven concerning the mystery. Number two, it's in your notes. God makes known to us the king's matter. The king's matter. Um, You see there, and I'm... I'm not sure if I was intending to put it, but there's uh, John chapter 3. Do you have one of those? Verse 35 or something, I think, in, uh, on there. In the next verse, I was intending to put there, but I can tell you this. They found a 14,000-year-old piece of bread. Isn't that cool? Anybody excited about that? You have to make bread. Um, you have to take the ingredients given to you by the earth and put the water and everything into it, smash it, and make the bread. And Jesus said in that scripture that you have there out of John, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Before the kingdoms of Persia, before the kingdoms of Egypt, before Abraham, before Noah, before Adam, Jesus is the bread of life. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word, Jesus. In the beginning was the word, and the word, Jesus, was with him. And Jesus was, was there in the creation. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. All things were made by him, Jesus. And without him was not anything made that was made. Jesus then comes back and says, you have to eat of my flesh and drink of my blood in John chapter 6. In other words, what he's saying is you have to completely consume me. We have two people that aren't here today, but, but they should be here next week. They're going to be baptized, immersed in water and then brought out. We have to die to our sinful self. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we come alive in Christ Jesus. And our sustenance isn't given to us by the company that is over our head and that we work for. Our provision doesn't come from them. My provision is a church. You guys give, it's awesome. But my provision and your provision, your bread, your sustenance comes from Jesus. 
I am the bread of life. Right? Jesus Christ is the bread of life. And the king's matter is, is that the children will understand who is their source and that they will go back to the bread of life. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, you will be saved. Jesus connects us to the Father. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. His connection comes through he created everything. But when we start worshiping the creation instead of the creator, we get out of uh, balance. We began to be in trouble. And in the second point here is God makes known to us the king's matter. Let's look at 1 Timothy 1, 16 through 17. But I received mercy for this reason that in me, the foremost, Jesus Christ, might display his patience as an example to those who are to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. You see... I receive mercy for this reason, that in me as in the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his patience and example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. For God, try it again. I'll try it until I'm 102 or until I die. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth him should not perish. But what? Important. Mm. Y'all, if I could part anything to you. Been to a lot of funerals, done a lot of funerals. Some of them really sad. Some of them really rejoicing. But for those who know Jesus Christ, one day, <laughs> one day, the resurrection of everything will happen. And, and Jesus, Jesus will be king of kings and lord of lords. It says that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, but it doesn't mean that everyone will do it now. And what I'm saying is do it now. Because if you refuse, there is also in the Bible a place called hell, a place of separation where God takes those that refuse to follow him. We have an ability to make a choice. And we can willingly follow the king who loves us and has the best for us. You see, the king came to seek and to save humanity. Point number three in our final point. The kingdom of, and then your blank there is, Jesus Christ has come. The kingdom of Jesus Christ. Christo, anointed one, crushed. Um, so, this king, 
didn't come like Nebuchadnezzar and uh, surround Jerusalem uh, with hundreds of thousands of people and try to starve them up. This king didn't do like uh, Attila the Hunt and hurl bodies over uh, walls that were uh, infected with disease and do the first chemical disease warfare and kill people inside. This king did not do like Caesar or Rome and take over people and put them on crosses until they bent their knee and followed that kingdom. This king took 12 guys and started healing people and teaching people and doing miracles and loving people and feeding people. When nobody would feed him, he would feed people. And this king, when people came against him, this king was crucified. This king went ahead and carried a cross and was so weak by the beating that he took that they had to have someone help him, and he was crucified on a cross because this king took his kingdom by forgiveness and reconciliation of eternal spirits which are inside each one of us. This king died for everyone. Red and yellow, black and white, everybody at the Tower of Babel, anyone who was dispersed. This king gave his life and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. This king said, it is finished. And he gave up his spirit. And immediately he began to go down and he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave from the enemy. He re-entered the body that they had taken off the cross and put into a borrowed tomb because he didn't even have his own tomb. And they, he re-entered that. The stone was rolled away. And physically, he came up. This is not a, a fantasy. It's not a... a, a, a a fake story. This is, the, this is what really happened. Jesus' physical body came up and he folded his cloth and put it in a corner, which when you got done doing a house, he was a carpenter. That was to let the people know it's time you can enter your house. All the stonemason had been put together. Everything had fitly been put together. And he said, it is finished. Jesus Christ is king of kings and Lord of of lords. Nobody can defeat him. Can we can we give him glory? Would you stand with me and let's just worship him?